0: Mac Power Users Episode Six Hundred and Fifty Craft Deep Dive. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined by my friend and yours, Mister David Sparks. Hey, Stephen, how are you? I am great. It's, you know, it's we're in summer. Something there's something fun about summer. I think. Yeah, it's oh, hot, man. but you know you can routine changes i don't know i'm enjoying the last couple weeks of it did i tell
1: you i've officially given up on surfing
0: have you did something happen i went out
1: again and i'm you know first of all i need to lose some weight i got some covid weight so my balance is all screwed up and then i just like it i just hurt all over the next (laughs) day and I, you know i'm just not gonna do that anymore i i i sent a note to craig hawkenberry and he's like oh yeah man uh, I kind of don't do that anymore <laughs> And I you know, Craig's got this, you know, rep, you know, he lives in Laguna. He's oh, a yeah. surfer dude. So I decided I'm switching to boogie boarding. But this there is a good go. time to boogie board in California. The weather's nice, the the ocean's getting a little warm.
0: That's hilarious. I
1: agree with you, man. It's all good. All the good summer stuff.
0: Last last week, uh my wife and kids were out of town. She does this like trip with a friend of hers that her friend also has a, a couple of kids and they all go to the beach together for like a week yeah. in the summer. And, uh, her husband, he works at a university and there's like some week in the summer where he's like really busy at work. So he works Then I stay here and work, so It works out nicely for everybody. But I got a picture from the beach of my youngest son who is, uh, he's going to be eight this fall. And he, like a lot of people, I'm not gotten a haircut <laughs> in a long time so he's like long blonde hair and he's like standing on the beach and he has a boogie board under his arm and i thought about you i was like this he is living the california life it was the gulf of mexico so not quite the same but pretty close
1: yeah if you ever if you're listening to the show and and i know it sounds very hippie granola toast or was it avocado toast california but uh, if you ever get a chance to go in the ocean and do some body surfing or even boogie boarding, and boogie boarding is the most basic. You take a piece of foam and you hold on to it and the wave pulls you in. It's thrilling. It's just thrilling, you know? I mean, I don't know what to say. Occasionally, you're going to wipe out and get, you know, water up your nose and you're going to get sand in your trunks, but it's it's all worth it. It's so fun. I think, you know, whenever we get you out here, Stephen, I think I'm going to take you boogie boarding.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm down i am down for that i wonder what you'll break that
1: day your apple watch you know maybe get sand in your phone
0: <laughs> it's been a minute since i've broken anything so let's yeah, not well, that's let's not what talk i'm about thinking
1: you do, <laughs> you know before we get to so today we're doing a deep dive i love doing deep dives before we get into that though let's talk about some housekeeping
0: okay yeah we've got about uh, two weeks left on uh, on my Kickstarter for the 2023 Apple Hardware calendar. Uh, it's gone really well so far. If you didn't see it, I released the artwork for the stickers. So the highest in tier, you get everything. Plus you get this, these pack of stickers that are like cartoon versions of Apple hardware. They're fantastic. I loved them last year and I absolutely love them again this year. And so go uh, go check those out.
1: Yeah, the the trash can Mac sticker has a broom next to it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. I think I think my favorite is the it's the original iPod kind of being snuggled in its own headphones. He just looks so happy and and cozy.
1: Yeah, that is pretty cute. That's pretty cute. Man. Yeah,
0: my friend Jelly does these, and he he always does such a good job.
1: They look great. Today on more power users, I have some laptop conundrums in my life Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna let's i'm just gonna turn it over to steven steven is going to make a decision for me today and uh that's all i'm gonna say for now but we'll explain more later
0: okay okay
1: yeah let's let's just start there steven i did a bad thing i did Uh, a bad thing uh, I,
0: i know what you did but you should confess to the audience
1: i went into the apple store to look at the m2 macbook air again And the Apple store employee is like, oh, hey, you know, we've got some of the better, you know, he's like, oh, this is the new thing. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I said, you know, but I would never buy these stock builds. He's like, oh, did you know we have better builds in stock right now? I'm like, well, what do you have? (laughs) And he had a uh, space gray, one terabyte, 16 gigabyte MacBook M2 MacBook Air in stock.
0: It's a pretty good spec.
1: I bought it, man. I just bought it. I didn't, you know, I went back and forth. I said, I'm not going to buy one i bought it you know, i bought it with the intention of returning it i wanted to um see if there was room in my heart i i did a, a note to the labs members is there room in my heart for M- m2 macbook air and mm-hmm. I, you know having played with one when we went to cupertino i heard you teasing Mike curly about that by the way and I, i'm <laughs> glad you did yeah, but uh It's not too soon. Anyway, so when you and I were in the Steve Jobs Theater and we were were fondling them, that was nice. But I I wanted to see how it ran with my software on it. Sure. And I felt guilty buying it. I talked to an Apple store friend later and he said, well, you know, don't worry about it. That Apple totally gets that, that sometimes you buy one with the intention of kicking the tires and people return them all the time because they don't work right enough. And so I was thinking, first of all, do I want one at all? Or am I just going to stick with the 16 inch? I have a um, 14 inch MacBook pro that has been now recalled on me. Uh, It was loaned to me by an attorney friend and his wife like ruined her laptop. So he's like, "Uh, Mm. I need that back now. How did (laughs) he
0: feel about you having put the beta on it?
1: I, I am in the process. In fact, if you heard earlier in the show, accidentally on the mic, you heard the startup chime, <laughs> because I am now trying to figure out how to unwind that. I'm sure it's possible, but I haven't, I haven't like looked into it yet. And yeah,
0: it's not too bad to do on the Mac. Yeah, a lot easier yeah. than an, an iPhone, that's for sure.
1: It, it, didn't they add a feature? Let's just go down that rabbit hole. For okay. Didn't they add a feature where you can like kind of like erase and reinstall the OS? Uh, just like on the iPhone. uh, Yeah, so there's a feature
0: in the Apple Silicon Macs. If you are in System Preferences, there's a menu item somewhere called... Actually, I'm sitting in front of an Apple Silicon Mac now. I keep forgetting that I don't have an Intel Mac anymore. It's under System Preferences, Erase All Content and Settings. That will leave the OS in place, though. So like, you restart it and it's a new Mac. What you have to do is go into Recovery Mode and format the internal drive and then install monterey on it
1: yeah and then i probably have to download monterey somewhere to i think
0: the restore process will probably do it for you
1: oh good okay well i need to do that and get it back to him and i was totally fine i'm going on vacation in a week for a week Mm -hmm. and i'm like i'll just bring the 16 inch and just deal with it and but now i have this little thing in the house so i bought it with the intention of returning it Um, but I kind of like it. It's space gray and you know, the color situation, I don't know what I'm going to do, but so I have a couple options my first option was I'm going to try it. And if I don't like it, I'll just return it and be done with it. I don't think that's going to happen. I think I'm going to want a a separate little portable laptop. So the next question is, do I return it and then just order one with a color of my choice and probably Mm -hmm. more Ram? I think the one terabyte is fine.
0: Yeah, we'll, or, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll make that decision later. Uh. <laughs> oh, oh,
1: well, let me just lay out this. this the okay. pro- I'm not going to make the arguments. I just want to lay out the question. So I can keep a space gray, one terabyte, 16 gigabyte uh, MacBook Air right now, and I can take it on vacation with me and not have to bring the big one. Or I can return it and then go through the process of making an order for a spec that's a little different. And mm-hmm. I have decided that I need an adult to make the decision for me. Okay. So today, in more power users, Stephen is going to decide.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, what are your impressions so far of the machine? I mean, hands-on is cool, but it's quick. You know, you've now been living with it and carrying it around. And uh, I'm really curious for you to uh, compare it maybe with the 14-inch MacBook Pro, because they're, they're yeah. not that dissimilar in size, but they're really sure. different in, in, in terms of capability and ports and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, the the fourteen inch is way faster. I mean like I render a um I render a labs video on the fourteen inch, even running um Ventura next to the MacBook Air and the fourteen inch does it in about a third of the time, you know. Uh but the MacBook Air still does it, you know, <laughs> uh, the screens, uh, are definitely better on the MacBook pro. I mean, this MacBook pro is not an option for me. I have to return it. But if, if I was to buy one, it's like $2,500 to buy one of these 14 inch MacBook pros, even at a kind of a low build, um, the, um but it's, it's better in every way, but the lightness and thinness of the MacBook air, when I combine it with the fact that I already have a monster 16 inch MacBook pro, um, that kind of fills the need for me. Like I want something that, um, when I need to, to get on the road, I don't have to bring the beast with me. You know, my daughter just recently moved and she had people delivering stuff and, setting up the cable and i wanted to be there because i'm a dad right i didn't want her there alone and so i went up there for the day and i brought the beast but it would have been nice to have one of those little macs that i could have just done a bunch of work on um the screen comparisons um it is better on the 14 inch but if you don't have a 14 inch sitting next to it you don't notice um the 120 versus 60 frames per second i definitely don't notice the hard work render speed like when i'm doing final cut and screen flow stuff is slower and the thing gets hot but you know what it does the renders i did a 16 gigabyte file with a render that took um like 30 minutes and when on my macbook pro that would have been like a probably 10 minute job um but it did it and at the end it was the same video i mean yeah. i was able to upload it yeah, So I, I don't think I would want this as my only computer, but I'm looking for a second machine that I can carry around with me and use easily uh, for the purpose of web browsing, email, um, you know, all the kind of general stuff. I uh, using craft, which we're going to be talking about today. It's there's no discernible difference between them. You know, they're all running probably single core and just doing fine. Mm-hmm. It's only when you, like, heat up the the heavy-duty software that you notice a difference.
0: Right, which I think most people who are shopping for a MacBook Air, they're not doing that that often. And even when they do, like you said, it's still got the job done. It just takes a little bit longer. And I've been thinking a lot about this, and I'm curious about your take on this. A lot of the reviews I've watched and, and read and all these sorts of things, they talk about this, right? They talk about, yeah, like, it does warm up. It does throttle eventually. And I wonder if to a degree, the coverage of that is a like, it's not Apple's fault, but it was kind of inevitable because Apple Silicon is so good that now you can get a MacBook Air and you can do 4K video on it really easily. And so it draws the comparison where maybe three or four or five years ago, we wouldn't necessarily even think about those types of workflows when it comes to the MacBook Air. I think that's just like an interesting place uh, that this product line is in. And I think if you're out there looking for one of these, unless you're doing those sorts of workflows every day, I think it's totally fine to like have the understanding like, yeah, if I really push it, it's going to throttle some. But like you said, the day-to-day, the stuff you're doing, you know, the bread and butter type tasks that most Mac users do most of the time, it really seems like a fantastic machine.
1: Yeah, I mean, like my MacBook Pro, the one I own, the 16 inch, I don't remember how much I paid for it, but I think it was in the neighborhood of like $4,000. It was a lot of money. You know, it's got a big hard drive, it's got a lot of memory and RAM. And when I put it next to this one, I can't tell a difference in terms of speed, except when I get into production work. I mean, which makes sense. I was thinking about these computers, like this build that I have here one terabyte plus 16 gigabytes. I think it's about a $1,700 build by the time you're done. Yeah, And the MacBook M1 MacBook Air, you can now buy $9.99. But again, I don't want the entry level. I I don't recommend that entry level build for almost anyone. Maybe I'm just an expensive money-spending jerk. (laughs) But when people buy a Mac, I, I really, even just sending your kid off to college, I recommend upping the storage and the RAM a bit because... I just feel like it gets so much more life out of it.
0: Yeah, I mostly agree with that. I mean, if you're going to spend the money on something long term, I think it makes sense in a world where you can no longer crack these things open and upgrade them yourselves, right? I mean, 10 years ago, I think my advice was, and I'm sure yours was too, of like, yeah, you can start a little bit lower down the option tree. And hey, if you're going to keep it six years, three years in, maybe upgrade the RAM or put a bigger hard drive in it if it becomes an issue. But those options are gone now. I mean, everything yeah. is the board, right? And I think in particular with the MacBook Air, there's a little bit of a sticking point there because it starts at that 1199 price point. I wish that they could have gotten the M2 down to 999 starting. Because, I mean, really, I think the way to think about the M2 MacBook Air is that it's a $1,400 machine. Or a fifteen hundred dollar machine, not that it's a thousand dollars, because you do want to get above that base storage. You do want to get above that base eight gigabytes of memory, and yeah, that kind of stinks, you know. But I think if you're buying something for the long term, that's a it's a pretty good investment.
1: Yeah, and you know we're Mac power users. Sure, you're listening to this show. You're a Mac power user. Um, so they Apple has a 999 machine in the store because there's a ton of people that come in and say, I need a MacBook. What's the cheapest one? If it's under a thousand dollars, they're more willing to get their credit card out. Yes. And they sell a lot of computers that way. And the people who get those computers are generally happy with them, but they do not have as long of a life and they do have a certain amount of pain associated with them. But the people that listen to this show are looking to get the most out of their computer. So I view the M1 MacBook Air really. I mean, I don't even know if you can spec it up at this point. It, do can you just get the basic one, or do they do they let you increase the storage and memory on it?
0: I think it basically exists as it did, where you can you can and go in and upgrade it. Um, okay, so
1: so what I would say is that you know the MacBook M1 MacBook Air is basically a twelve hundred dollar computer. Yeah, right. Be- to get one that you want. You know, it's about a $1,200 computer. I think the M2 MacBook Air is a fifteen dollars to $1,700 computer to get when you want.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the MacBook Pro starts around 2200 I think, by the time you get what you want. And that, to make a long, you know, to kind of get back to your original question, I feel like these reviewers are kind of subconsciously incorporating that, saying, well, this is halfway between the M1 and the M1 Pro. So I want to test it against it. And it doesn't hold up well on these stress tests. But I also don't think that's really what it's for.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think the other thing to contend with, like if you're purchasing one of these, I mean, here at the end of the summer, right? This is when a lot of consumer notebooks get sold. This is why this is out in the summer, uh, people going back to school. Uh, the other thing to remember too is like the M1 MacBook Air is on Apple's refurbished store. And you may be able to find something that you can spec up higher than you would otherwise because of the discount that you get being refurbished. There's also educational discounts. Like there are lots of ways to get into the MacBook Air. And I think if you're coming from an Intel MacBook Air, which I mean, most people aren't going to go from an M1 to an M2, right? The vast majority of people buying one of these are going to be coming from an Intel Mac or no Mac at all. And, while the M2 Air seems really awesome, and the one that we ordered is coming in on uh, on Friday, so I'll have it by the time this show posts. But I don't have it right now. I think that like the M1 Air is still a totally viable machine if that's like budget wise where you need to be, but the M2 is a lot nicer. And if you can swing it, I think I think go for it.
1: Yeah. So that's the thing, right? And I get that it's not going to keep up with this 14 that I'm about to part with. Um, but that's okay. And I think the price is about right for me. Like that's what I'm willing to spend to have an extra computer that can always be around. If the main one goes down for some reason that I can take with me. And I know it sounds silly. but I just don't like carrying this really expensive, heavy computer with me. When I leave the house, this is mainly a, an around the house, you know, mm-hmm. desktop class computer And, you know, we all spend money on dumb things. And I think I'm going to spend some money on this dumb thing, which will be a second Mac. And I don't know, a couple of observations, the sound is fine. Somebody wrote me and said, well, what about the speakers? There's no speaker grill. I'm like, don't worry about it. It sounds fine. It does not sound as good as a MacBook Pro, but I don't think it ever was meant to, but it sounds fine.
0: No. (laughs) And the MacBook Pro sounds so good. I mean, it is. Yeah. It's sort of silly how good the speakers are on the 14 inch. And I imagine it's even better on the 16.
1: Yeah. Agreed. And the, um, and you could get, and the other thing is the screen brightness. Somebody wrote me to ask cause, you Cause know, I've been talking about this in the labs. So somebody wrote me asking about the screen brightness. I don't have the brightness turned up to a hundred percent. I've got it at about 75% and it's plenty bright, you know? And then the other question is, well, why wouldn't you just spend another $500 and just get kind of an, a decently spec 14 inch. Mm-hmm. And then, if your main one goes down, then you've got something that can really do production work, not just kind of this toy. But honestly, I don't want the weight. I don't want, you know, I mean, it's again, yeah, yeah. it's like another thing around your neck. I feel like I have a very nice MacBook Pro. It seems obsessive to have two of them, but the, I think the MacBook Air is probably the right one. But I still have to make some decisions. We're going to, actually, you have to make some decisions. We're going to, that's talk right. The end of the
0: show. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We'll, we will, uh, We'll get to that. But um, I'm I'm surprised you w- you were able to walk in the store and snag one. So I looked, and of course, my Apple store is a small Apple store when a small market. So all they had on launch day were the, the base, just like bone stock configurations. Uh, the one I ordered, which will be my wife's machine and her M1 Air is gonna go to the kids for their homework school machine, because that's on the Intel MacBook Air, which I used last night. <laughs> I was like, wow, this computer is angry, like fans go in full tilt, the keyboard's yeah. bad. Uh Sad how quickly that one fell from, fell from grace. But uh, I ordered her a silver one with the base CPU GPU, but with two terabytes of storage. And I ended up going 24 gigabytes of memory. I was going to do 16. But again, the longevity conversation we just had, I am like, I am, after this, I'm done with like computers for family members for a long time. I always in the back of my mind knew when I bought her the M one air that whatever came out next would, would end up being her sort of longer term machine. And, you know, really she could use anything. She uses her MacBook air. Honestly, like probably like a lot of people in our audience with a laptop, uh, it's tucked behind a display most of the time. Like, I don't know the last time she actually pulled it out. So I think I could swap them out and I wonder how long it would take her to notice that it was like a physically different computer. Maybe I should try yeah. that. That's mean. <laughs> that, would that would be funny. But um, yeah, well, yeah. I'm, uh. Thank you for your impressions. I've been enjoying the lab content about it. And it's such an interesting machine, right? Like it's... I've been, I've been thinking about this too. And then we can move on. And we actually have a big topic to talk about today. But uh, the last thing on my mind about this is this has made me think a lot about when the 24-inch iMac came out, you know, the Colorful iMac with the M1. Yeah. yeah. And how a lot of us, like we were just... Obsessed over it for a long time because it was a redesign built around Apple Silicon, right? They got rid of all the stuff they needed for Intel iMacs. And this is what an iMac looks like now. And the MacBook Pros did it, but now the MacBook Air has done it. And uh, Apple said at WWDC, the MacBook Air is the most popular Mac. It's the most popular selling laptop in the world. Uh, There are more MacBook Airs than any other Macs. And so anytime they do anything with that, especially after their history of, Basically, canceling it, but not really canceling it, and then bringing it back in 2018. Like, it's just so good to see them lean back into this model. And I think that's why it's so interesting. You know, even if the MacBook Air ultimately isn't for me or for you or for a bunch of people in our audience, it's still a really important machine to consider when thinking about the Mac ecosystem on a whole. So that's why we keep talking about it. And anytime they redesign something, especially something so popular, it's worth taking some time and trying to understand
1: yeah and you know all these reviews i feel like you know just to kind of close the loop on this review thing i feel like it's a lot of people saying you know this toyota prius can't run the daytona 500 and i'm bad. <laughs> you know and it's not meant to and the the sad thing is it can run it just will run slow but it actually could get on the track. You know, I mean, I, I have been rendering video with it. I mean, one thought for me was what if something happens to the 16 inch, I make my living making content. I need something yeah. that can render a video. And you know what it could. And like, if I go on vacation and end up keeping this, this someone um, I could get some work done and make some labs content and make some YouTube. So I can make stuff on this one. If I, I wouldn't want to do it every day, but for a week I could definitely get by with it. So so it is um, it's not really fair to compare it to them, because one, you know they're just, they're just two very different animals, and uh, you want thinner light or you want powerful, and um, Apple has given you options of both This episode of the Mac Power users is brought to you by one password. Head over to onepassword.com/mpu in all caps to get 20 percent off and let them know you heard about it here on the Mac Power users. We've talked about 1Password a lot on the show over the years and the way that it can manage your passwords for you and create strong and unique passwords for each website or service you use. It's a way to protect you from the internet. And it's just a great app for that. And one of the features I've talked about that I want to focus on today is the idea of these secure notes. So in addition to managing all your passwords and credit cards and everything for you, uh, dealing with the web with 1Password, they also have in their vault an area called secure notes. And these are like Apple notes, but they're behind the 1Password secure vault. So that means if someone gets your phone and they manage to unlock it, they still can't get access to that secure vault data. Now in the past, I've kept medical data in there like uh, medications and doctor information, stuff that I don't really want people just being able to see. And, Recently, I decided to to fix that up. So I went into the 1Password Secure Vault and I combined a bunch of data into them. And I spent, I don't know, like an hour in the Secure Vault updating data. And I, I didn't realize just how powerful it has got over the years. Like one of the things it does is it has a markdown interpreter in it. So I was able to use headings. You know, heading one is one hash, heading two is two hashes, and totally clean up all my medical data in the Secure Vault. So now when I'm sitting in the doctor's office, I can very easily get to it. And that's the thing I like about having it in 1Password because it's on my iPhone, my iPad, my Mac at all times. And 1Password always uses those authentication methods. Like on the phone, it uses my face ID. So it's no more difficult to get to the data quickly when I'm in front of the doctor, but it's way more secure. And uh, because I've put everything in Markdown, it's really easy to read and review. And I can go through and annotate it and add to it. Uh, I was just really impressed with, how far it's come. Because when I first started using secure vaults long ago, it was just like a text file, but now it's so much more. And I've moved even more data into the secure vault now because of that. I just know that I have things I want to keep private that I keep right in there. And it's great. So not only do I have my medical data in there, I have medical data from my family. I have financial stuff like account numbers and social security numbers. Uh, Another thing I use it for is I put in the login data and credentials for other people Like a lot of family members want me to fix stuff at their house. And whenever I set their Wi-Fi password or whatever, I just save it to secure note and one password. And once in a while, they end up calling me to ask me for it. But that gives me an easy way to keep it without junking up my own one password data with a bunch of their stuff. But uh, I just really like the secure notes. If you're not using that feature and you have one password, I strongly recommend it. If you're not using one password, that's a really good reason to use one password. Is to have those secure notes. Either way, check it out. Go to onepassword.com/mpu and all caps. Uh, Once again, that all caps gets you that twenty percent off. Check it out. Let them know you heard about it from us. And thank you, One Password, for all of your support of the Mac Power Users. Okay, we actually have a topic today, Stephen. <laughs> sorry, sorry, gang. We kind of went long on that first segment, but um, either way. Uh, uh, I have been using Craft. Stephen has been using Craft. We've been hearing from listeners that are using Craft, and we decided it's time for a deep dive on Craft. So here we are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Craft is such an interesting application to me. You know, sort of broadly, it fits into the note taking application space, but it also has a lot of characteristics of more of the personal knowledge management type apps like Obsidian and Rome. It kind of has a foot in both of those worlds. You can totally use craft like you do Apple Notes or Bear or something like that. But then it also has all these other features that are ready to take it to the next level. And I think that's one reason both of us like craft so much is that you can kind of use it how you want. And it's really forgiving about that sort of thing. And I think they've done a really good job at bringing a lot of really powerful features into an app that on the surface of it's still really simple to use.
1: Yeah. I mean, we have, so craft's been out now, I guess about a year and a half. Something I want to like say. That. And so we always get asked to do, you know, deep dives on, on new and interesting apps. And I'm actually kind of conservative about it because I feel like if we're going to give a show, a full show to an application, and we're going to be telling our listeners that this is something they want to try. And this is definitely what we're recommending today is that you're going to want to try craft. I don't want it to be an app that is just out of the gate and you don't know if they're going to support it. You don't know what the long-term plan is. Like you'll, you'll note that we almost never do deep dives on apps that don't have a monetization plan. Cause I don't believe in recommending apps that don't have a future um and craft really has made that test. I feel like they've got to a point now because I've been using craft and it's a, it's remarkable to me how often they're doing updates to the app and yeah. they seem to be very responsive. And I feel like it's kind of matured to a place where we can now really give the MPU seal of approval to it. And mm-hmm. it is like Stephen said, it's like a hybrid thing between Apple Notes and Obsidian, you know, it's got PKM elements but it's really it really feels to me like it's primarily aimed at Apple notes, but it does have backlinks and other things in it. So it's a very interesting app and um, there's a lot to it. Like it, it, people use craft for their own individual stuff. People use it for sharing. I'm running a big piece of the the team management for max Barkey through craft. And um, we want to kind of get into it today. So, so to start, you can get the app at craft.do and uh, it is a for you know it's a paid for application. You can get it for free up to, with up to one gigabyte of storage or a thousand what they call blocks. But if you use it seriously, you're very quickly going to hit that. And beyond that, it's um, uh, five dollars a month for fifty gigabytes of storage and up to five collaborators. That's what I'm doing. I pay annually for it, and I'm going to uh, you know probably be right in the middle of that i feel like i've got five i've already got five people installed on my craft but in terms of data usage i'm going to be right in the sweet spot there Mm -hmm. if if you want to go bigger with your business it's ten dollars per person with a 180 day version history and um, some additional tools. And they I guess they it's like a lot of these apps. They say, if you're enterprise, call us. I yeah. don't know what that means. Yeah. You know? yeah, I don't ever want to buy an app where I have to call them to get no. the price. That,
0: yeah. Nope. Uh, that's, uh, you know, if you have to ask, you can't afford it kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. One thing that's really cool about Craft, and I'm sure we're going to touch on this a bunch, is that it's really nicely designed. It is on the iPhone, iPad, Mac, and there's a web version as well. And really, notably, and we we've touched on this before when talking about Mac Catalyst, but the Mac app is a Catalyst app, and I think, like hand on heart, it's the best Mac Catalyst app I've ever come across. Yeah, and I have a couple of niggles about the editor, which we'll get to, but overall, it feels and looks and works like a Mac, like a you know, quote unquote Mac app. And I think that's one reason they've been able to iterate so quickly on it. I mean, they're updates to this thing all the time. And I I don't know this, but I would imagine, knowing what I know about software development, that having basically one code base that runs across all three, iPhone, iPad, and Mac, makes it much easier to do that. And it means that when the iPhone and iPad version get something, the Mac version gets it as well. And that's definitely not the case for everything, right? In in this uh, category specifically, usually it's the other way around. Usually the Mac version is the best version, and the iPhone yeah. and iPad version maybe aren't as good or are limited somehow in in unusual ways. And I really like Kraft's approach, and they can do this because they're they're new. But it's like, hey, we're going to treat all these platforms the same. And I really like that. And I think that using Mac Catalyst to do it was clearly the right call because they've really been able to, to push this forward rapidly and in a way that, I think has really benefited their users being like you said, they are very tuned in with what their listeners want and need, and they've been able to iterate quickly. And I would imagine this decision has really paid off for them.
1: Yeah. In fact, let's just um, go off script a little bit here and just talk about how responsive craft is to the users because they've got, they had a Slack and now they have just opened a circle and they are constantly in contact with the users and, I hate to use the word influencers about Mm -hmm. software. Um, When I first started looking at craft after it first launched and they sent me a free license for the first year, but for the second year I paid for mine. full disclosure, I had a year free, Um, but I started writing them and I got responses back from people far up the food chain. And one of the most interesting things to me was at the time I was still a lawyer and I had asked, what is your plan for end to end encryption? You know, end-to-end encryption is that thing where you put your own password. Your data gets um, encrypted basically locally, and even if somebody subpoenas their servers, they they can't unencrypt it. They don't have the ability to do it. Like uh, Obsidian has this, Day One has this, um, uh, Devonthink has this. So there's several apps where you can encrypt it locally, and then you have what's called end-to-end encryption. And they wrote me back and they said, yeah, you know, we thought about that, but we have a lot on our plate right now. And that's not on the roadmap for this foreseeable future. And what I liked about that was, first of all, it's too bad because I like in encryption, but I like that they were honest with me. You know how many developers I've written about with questions like that? And they say, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to do that. And then they never do that. Yeah, you know,
0: I've been arguing with the things guys for years over a certain feature they keep saying is coming. So I understand. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, it would have been so easy for them just to tell me, "Oh yeah, we're definitely working on that." And then yeah. I would have been more likely to talk about their app and you know, and and I I kind of went quiet on Craft for a while because I didn't want to recommend something without end to end. And today I'm telling you right now, if you need to. Really, keep something secure if you've got client information, maybe you're doing your diary or something. I don't think craft is good for that because they don't have end-to end encryption, but there's a lot of things it is good for but um i I really appreciated that they were so honest with me about it
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's 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 cool let's talk because I think we we got into the weeds too quick for people who've never opened craft, it's a notes app. Okay. So when you open it up, it's got the left bar where you can put folders and favorites and different bits of, you know, metadata and filters. And then on the right, you've got a a notes app, just like Apple notes, except it works on a kind of a block mentality. I mentioned blocks earlier. So craft, every paragraph is in essence a block and you can have a block and it recognizes markdown. So like you could put two hashes and it's a, you know, it's a heading two block or it could be text or you could turn it into bullets and everything's very pretty. And you've got these blocks as you get down the page. And the nice thing about that is you can move the blocks. So there's like handles so you can grab it. If you're writing something and you want to move paragraphs around, it's super easy. And the blocks over the last year and a half, like with every update, it seems like they get more advanced. Like, They've got blocks that can turn into to-do lists. They've got a block that can turn into an outline with a a folding disclosure triangle. So you can create an outline and everything works just like an outliner. Um, They've got a block that turns into a table and we're going to talk about that. You can also take any block and then turn that into a sub page where like you click on the block and to imagine it visually, if you're looking at the outline or the document, um, you click it, there's an arrow on the right side, and you essentially go to the right of the existing block, and then you've got a whole new set of things in it. Like, for example, I have um, a craft document about woodworking, and there's one entry that says wish list, you know, tool wish list. And if I click that, the whole document slides to the left, and then there's just one page with all of the tools that someday I'm going to buy. If I would stop buying Macs, I could afford them. <laughs> And uh, that, so it's got a very interesting way and you can do multiple sub blocks, right? So if you want your, you could have one document that just keeps, you know, shifting into more and more complex documents. So that's something that Apple notes doesn't have. It has great support for multimedia generally. I mean, it's not, Maybe we'll get into that later. But I, I feel like it's probably not as good as Apple Mail in the sense that Apple Mail is so baked into the operating system, but it does have support. Everything links. So you can create links. And like one of the beauties of this application is what they call deep links, which I don't know if that's the right name. It feels a little intense, right? You know, if you're listening to little deep, bit. Like, I, you know. But basically what it means is you can create a link to any block not just a document, but to a block. So if I've got, let's just say I happen to have the Lee Valley scraper playing on a list. Okay. I could create a, I could create a link to that very entry. And then I could, you know, maybe at Christmas, I could send it to my sister and say, boy, this would be a nice thing for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so I, you can create these deep links that not only work within the application, but work outside the application. One of the main things I do with it is I have a deep links that I link to OmniFocus tasks, you know, where I've got a reference document in Craft relating to something and I'll get the deep link out of it and I can embed that into the task in OmniFocus. And then I've got a link right back to it. That's kind of an overview. We're going to get into more details in a minute, but does that, you think that kind of gets the idea across about what this app is?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the only thing I would add is that and you touched on it, it does look really good. And craft gives you a bunch of tools to dress up your documents where you can have backgrounds and you can bring in images from unsplash and like on and on and on where Apple notes is a, is more stripped down, right? Apple notes is basically text. You can bring in images, but you can't set like the background of a note. You can't really, there's notes in, uh, Apple Notes has tables but they're pretty simple. Craft Craft gives you more tools to lay out your information more visually. And so if that's the sort of note-taking you like to do, Craft I think is better suited to it uh, than Apple Notes is.
1: Yeah, and to go to the flip side, um Obsidian, we're going to talk about in more detail later about comparing these to these things, but obsidian has kind of more power tools but obsidian although it has a map an iphone and ipad app they're barely iphone and ipad apps whereas the craft app being catalyst it is gorgeous on all platforms and easy to manipulate and move through so if you do a lot of work on ipad and iphone this is particularly an app you want to take a look at okay um that being said, you want to talk through about so I think we've given a good overview. Let's talk through some of, the, of our favorite features of the app.
0: Yeah, can we start with keyboard shortcuts? Because yes, I love keyboard shortcuts, and Craft has a very deep set of them. We'll put a link in the show notes to their help document. But basically, the entire interface you can manage from the keyboard. It's sweet.
1: Yeah. It's it's sort of, I mean, some of the things aren't quite there yet. I actually sounded off in the craft Slack yesterday as I was working on the outline. Um, one of the concepts of craft, which I didn't mention earlier is spaces. So with your craft account, you can have multiple spaces. Like I have one that's myself, just personal space. Nobody else can see it. And I have one called Sparky media, which is a shared space, which I share with JF and, Liana and some of the team members. And, um, so when I, anything I write in that space, like a lot of times when I'm working on blog posts or newsletters, they go into the craft space and then I can send that deep link out to the other team members and say, Hey guys, I've got this. Could you take a look at it for me before I post it? And I can send it to them in Slack or or text message. And since they've got craft installed on their devices, that deep link works. So they just click on it. It goes straight to the page and, They're good and so you've got a space where you've got everything shared in it um and you've got a space where it's not so uh to kind of get back to the thing there's not an easy way to really jump between spaces with keyboard shortcuts if you hit the escape key you can do it but i would prefer to be a little better but you know overall yes just about everything lends itself to keyboard shortcuts
0: yeah and i have all my stuff in one space so i hadn't i had not come across that
1: yeah Yeah, well, we're going to talk about sharing later because there are some interesting wrinkles to that. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, A thing I like about it is focus mode. This is one of the recent features. You hit Command plus period on any note, it gets rid of all the UI and just gives you a clean writing interface, which you know is the thing a lot of us are looking for. Mm -hmm. And I really love it. It's it's a recently new feature, but you know it's just another example of the way these guys keep showing up.
0: A feature that's sort of related to the keyboard shortcuts is the uh, Command O, the open dialogue. Yeah. And yeah. it's very similar to Command K in Slack or Discord. I think Obsidian has something like this as well.
1: Yeah, Command O in Obsidian too. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's kind of like Spotlight within the app, and you can just start typing and it will pull up anything you have um, for the terms. So I can, you know, I can start typing David and any notes. Uh, with your information in there comes up and also get blocks so if you are in a block inside a note I can jump right to that yeah and this is something that I wish Apple notes would do apple notes has search but search and a really useful open palette are different things and I think the open palette's the way to go
1: yeah so commando is your friend because it allows you to just jump to whatever you want and that i think is the most useful shortcut in the whole app like Stephen said, you can also jump to, to individual blocks. So if you've got a block, and just to go back to the woodworking one, if I say, you know, command O, hand tools, it'll, it'll offer me the ability to jump to the exact hand tool heading in that document mm-hmm. from anywhere in my database. So uh, there's no faster way to move around, but it does have folders and traditional things, you know, traditional organizational methods, uh, except for it does not have tags. Another thing I really like is the, uh, is the shortcuts support, you know, it's a, you know, native player. Of course it's on all the Apple platforms. This is a Mac app, you know, it's catalyst based, but it's a Mac app and on the iPad, it feels like an iPad app. And of course they have shortcuts.
0: Yeah. They've got shortcuts for adding to a document, creating a document and then opening specific sections uh, in the application. So I feel like they've got it pretty well covered. Um, I was trying to think about things I would want from a shortcut that craft doesn't offer. And they actually didn't come up with anything super compelling. Is there anything here that you would want them to add? Yeah. I I
1: would like the uh, append and pre-pinned stuff. I'd like them to take a look at what drafts is doing and copy all of that. Okay. Um, (laughs) Sorry, Greg. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, drafts works with this app. In fact, you know, these are, this is not um, a replacement for drafts, but you know, but I would like it like, for instance, I'd like it to go and pull a deep link out of a document for me and allow me to embed it in an uh, OmniFocus project. Yeah. There, there's definitely more I have. I feel like they've got good support, but not great support for shortcuts. But you know, in comparison with the other apps out there, they have shortcut support, you know what I mean? And it's useful actions. Um, so, yeah, it's good, but it, it definitely can be better.
0: One more feature I really like is its ability to inline calculations and unit conversions and so if you just have text within a note or within a block you can uh highlight it and it will show you the answer so if you had like you know 15 times 30 um, and then you can actually click the answer and it will swap it in the document so you can it's kind of it's not too dissimilar to solver in a way where like you can you can do kind of written out math problems or unit conversions in a note and then craft will take care of it for you from there and definitely not something apple notes has but something that is surprisingly useful this episode of mac power users is brought to you by squarespace squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build your brand and grow your business online you can stand out with a beautiful website engage your audience with a really cool newsletter tools, and sell your products, virtual or physical, all in one place. Squarespace has you covered no matter what you need for your website. With Squarespace, you get to use their really cool analytics tools, so you can see what pages are performing well, what products are doing well, how people are finding you, and armed with that information, you can make better decisions about your website. You get started with this best in class website template and you customize it to fit your needs. So you pick colors and add your logo, change the typefaces. You can really make a Squarespace site your own. It's incredible what you can build with their tools. And you don't have to build just a website. You can have a blog. You can host a portfolio. Anything you need, Squarespace is ready to go. I love building on Squarespace because they have all those tools. I don't have to Put things together from different systems and worry about plugins and all that other stuff. Squarespace is all in one place, and it's a great way to build a website. Head to squarespace.com MPU for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code MPU at checkout. That'll get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain name. Once again, that's squarespace.com MPU. And the code MPU for 10% off that also shows Squarespace that you came from us. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of the show and Relay FM. All right. Um, we mentioned
1: earlier that Craft has this great update system. And by update system, I mean they put out a lot of updates. It feels to me almost weekly, I haven't really tracked it. But it's often that I'm getting emails from Team Craft. As we record this, we just got a new update uh, the day before. Some of the things that they added, um, they added daily notes already. And daily notes is a big thing for PKM people. Um, Rome does it. Obsidian does it. Now Craft does it, where it gives you a note per day. And so they keep adding to that where you can now easily add notes to it. Like if I have a call with Steven about something I can add the notes from that call to my daily note and kind of log it. Uh, they're increasing task handling, you know, the editor's getting a, uh, better and they're already getting this craft extension program going. In fact, do you want to talk about that for a minute? The the extensions?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this was announced a, a while back and it's, it's rolled out, but it's, it's, <laughs> they're not a, a ton of options yet. We'll have some links in the show notes. You can explore it more. But basically, this was a way to connect other applications and and other services to Craft and be able to pass information in and out of that app of those applications. And uh, there are a few of them floating around. There's a website called Craftery.io, um, and they have uh, several options. Like there's one that. Basically you can create and link tasks in craft with to which is something that I know like the guys at Mac stories do with obsidian. Uh, there's, yeah. there's another extension that adds like a fancier date picker to the application. It's extending what craft can do. And like I said, it's early days, but what I like about this in particular is that they announced this, I don't know, about a year into the application and I think it speaks to the the types of users that they have is that, yeah, people do want to do more with this. And they also know that they can't build it all themselves. And so by opening this, there's a developer site. You can go and see how it all works. You can build your own if you want to. I mean, it's, it's really cool. And it, it means that craft can become a better citizen within your workflow. If you're using some of these, these other tools.
1: Yeah. And like to compare with obsidian, obsidian is crazy with extensions i mean people have made like there's new ones every day and they are insanely powerful like obsidian is a much better app because of their extension framework and i don't think craft can hold a candle to what they're doing i'm not sure they ever will be able to because of the way obsidian works you know it's just a folder full of markdown files so it's so easy to make all sorts of interesting extensions That being said, given that this is a bit of a walled garden, uh, I have been running craft extensions. And so we've got, it only works on the Mac currently, and you've got to enable it under the preferences under the advanced tab. And then you've got to go on the internet and download some of them and install them. Like uh, I use the extension with OmniFocus where I can just take a list of blocks in OmniFocus and turn it into, I'm sorry, in craft and turn it into an OmniFocus project. I also do a lot of writing in IA writer. I've been kicking the tires on that one lately and there's an extension for that. So I could take my writing out of craft and dump it into IA writer if I wanted. There's one that automatically generates a table of contents on your page based on heading levels, which I like. Ooh, that's cool. Uh, Yeah. They've got one that is kind of like, um, a template system where you can take a collection of blocks. Like, let's say we're going to do, um, you know, I like for a labs video, I've got a, you know, I've got the links, the description, I've got certain things I do in every video note. I can save those and then just click a button to insert them in future blocks. So there, there's already some useful extensions and, you know, getting them installed, isn't that difficult. You enable extensions, you download them, and then you install it from inside the app. And I can see where this is going to be useful. I don't think it's ever going to be what you know the beautiful chaos that is Obsidian. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they're very different, and and Obsidian has, I mean, you said it with Markdown, kind of a more inherent flexibility to it, anyways. Yeah. But for common things that like Mac users want to do, like things, and you know, there are a bunch of big name Mac apps are are supported in this, either yeah. officially or by third parties.
1: Yeah, so we get a lot of updates, and I think it will only be a question of time before the extension thing gets fully launched, and we see a lot of um, interesting extensions showing up. Yeah.
0: I want to talk some about data portability. This is always an issue when we talk about these sorts of apps. And something like Obsidian, yeah, plain markdown, that's fantastic because you can just point that folder at anything and all your text is there. But Craft, you know, it, it is running its own system. They have their own sync engine. You're in their garden. Uh, but I think they've done a, a pretty good job at importing and, and exporting. So on the import side, you can bring in content that is in Markdown or in the text bundle format. And they have a support document that outlines, okay, if you're in Apple Notes and you want Markdown of your notes, this is how you do it because Apple doesn't. Of course, I have an exporter uh, from from apple notes uh you can import a total of two thousand notes. can't imagine that's an issue for many people, but yeah. if you're coming from a folder of markdown and you want to move into craft uh you can do that
1: yeah i was and and the export side is equally sunny you know I mean they make it easy to get your data out they we'll put a a blog post in by the chief developer talking about their view of, you know, how your data is your data and we want to make sure you always have access to it. And I uh, don't have as much data in this app as, as uh, some folks, but I was talking to Tim Stringer um, from Learn Focus before we recorded today's show. And he was telling me how he exported his entire craft database into Obsidian just for a test. And he said it worked fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh obviously some of the um you know rich metadata or the photos and some of that stuff doesn't go to obsidian that easily cuz obsidian's up it does it but it's not really made for that um but in terms of getting the markdown files out and putting them somewhere else he said it wasn't a problem and i i haven't done enough tests on this but everyone i've talked to in terms of data export seems to be happy with it you know it's it's not like a Evernote situation where you put your data in and it's quite difficult to get it out.
0: Yeah. I mean, they offer markdown and text bundles, export options, PDF, word, Excel. And they say in the support document, they are planning on bringing support for HTML, rich text and plain text export as well. And I think what's especially cool about their export side is that with this block editor, it is more than just plain text. I mean, you can just have text in a document, but if you do something that looks really nice with a background and images and tables and everything, getting a nice PDF out of that or getting a Word document out of that, like that's that's nice. It, it plays into Craft's strengths to have these other export options. So I think they've done a good job there. Definitely better than the old Evernote days where you got like weirdo HTML files at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. And I, I shouldn't say, uh, I shouldn't, um, pull Evernote over the coals here. I haven't tried it recently, but the last time I tried to export from Evernote, which was admittedly a while ago, it was difficult. Maybe they fixed it, but that's always been like a challenge. Definitely. Um, and even this app, when they first launched, I felt like the export wasn't great. Like I tried to write a couple blog posts in it in the first couple of weeks it launched and getting the text out and into WordPress or Squarespace was difficult. And whereas now they've, you know, among those updates, they've got a tool now where you can select text and say Ex- export as Markdown. And it gives you a very clean, non-garbage laden Markdown uh, text. And then I just dump that into WordPress or Squarespace and I'm off to the races. It's, it is, uh, it is trivial now to get your rich text out of it as Markdown. They've fixed that. Let's talk about, we we talked a little about the latest layout tools, but we haven't kind of gone into all the ways you can use it. Like you can make blocks, like you can have a block that turns into a literal block. I mean, I, I just, every time I open the app, I find a new way to, to modify and, um, and display the text. And I I really find that kind of delightful.
0: Yeah. It comes with a bunch of really cool presets. So if you just want your note like on a blue background and and have a, a nice image at the top, you can do that with their their preset page styles. Yeah. Uh you can even customize and pick your own color, pick your own gradient, etc. Uh, you can also utilize uh their templating system. And so with this, you can create your own templates, but there's also a huge library of templates that that the craft team has put together everything from a travel wish list to you want to make an apartment listing through like charts of chores or subscription tracking all sorts of different things. And you can go in and plug your own uh, stuff into these templates. It reminds me, and and I say this, meaning it as praise. It reminds me of the early days of iWork, like pages and keynote and stuff where, yeah, That was such a strong uh, feature in the early days of iWork, like these really nice looking templates you could use because nothing else really had them at that point that were this nice. And you can go in here and create these and save them as your own templates. And you can really make something that looks really nice uh, really pretty quickly. And if you're sharing it, which we're going to talk more about the sharing collaboration later, or if you're publishing it to the web, something else we're going to talk about later, You can really dress something up in a way, you're not spending a ton of time putting this together. You're not spending, you know, three days like very carefully moving the blocks around and making sure it's all lined up like their tools are built where if you want something more visual, you can make these cards and blocks and tables and everything work together pretty seamlessly.
1: You know, I hadn't thought about the iWork similarity, but I would even go further back to Apple works. I almost feel like it's got kind of that vibe to it where you can kind of make of it what you want. And um, this is, I mean, obviously it's been updated for the modern era of the web, but it, it does kind of have that kind of unleashed feel where you can turn, like people are using this to make web pages but people are also making it to run their lives and it, it does both. Okay. You know uh, one thing I mentioned earlier was the daily notes. That is a, that wasn't a launch feature, but it is an existing feature uh, in PKM apps. It is popular. Like I said earlier, and I think their, their daily note works great. It has a calendar and you just click on any date and you can go to the daily note. So if you wanted to use it to do some basic task management and you say like next Tuesday, you know, prepare the, mac power users outline or whatever you could add it to next tuesday And when you got there it would already be on the date for you it's very accessible to anybody that wants to use it uh, i the only caveat there is i don't i would not treat this as a journaling tool because it is not end encrypted like i talked about earlier in the show but right. I mean, if you if you don't care about that and you're want to do your journaling there you could do it there as well
0: one thing I like about the daily note is that they're separate from your regular notes. So in that left-hand sidebar, the first segment of control is your regular documents and then the calendar and daily notes are the second one. Yeah. And so you can really kind of focus on the type of thing you're um you're looking at uh and I think the daily notes thing is really nice. I like having the calendar And you can also scroll in that sidebar and like the calendar keeps up with you. And it does the thing that day one does and other apps do that. If you scroll to a a month with content and those dates, those days are highlighted and you click on them and you go right to that entry. It's, I think it's really well done and everything in the daily notes as far as how they look and how they work is the same as your regular document. So you have all those layout tools you have tasks and blocks and cards and background images, everything else uh, in both your regular notes and the daily tasks and the daily, the list note thing. So I think, I think that's pretty sweet. Uh, You can treat them the same way.
1: Yeah. And like a good use for this to me would be not necessarily your deepest thoughts that you would want to put in an encrypted diary, but maybe you just want to log your day. Like today I worked on this project and that project and, you know, you know, called the landlord or whatever like if you want to like log stuff um, daily note would be great for that and with the way this application can link you could even you know create direct links to related documents in your in your craft database mm-hmm. so people are using craft in so many different ways I was looking online at some of the folks uh, one guy put together what you call a life dashboard and I've seen this in a lot of different contexts the first person I ever saw do this, was August Bradley, who has been a guest on our show. He did it through notion. I've been doing something like this in, in Obsidian for a long time. I call it Sparky OS, my personal operating system, but people can do stuff like that in craft as well. But at the same time, people are running whole teams. Like one of the, the blog posts I found was a team that put together a Kanban board in craft and while granted it's not really made for that. They seem to be able to pull it off. Okay. Personally, um, we're going to talk about how we're using the application later in the show, but I can tell you one example for me is I just recently, we did a trip. I put all the travel stuff on that and sent the, the link out to my family members so they could you know keep up with where I was staying and what was going on. Uh, there's a lot you can do with this app. I mean, it, it like I said, because of the sharing, it is a PKM, but it's also a, a web publishing platform. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Sourcegraph. Go to about.sourcegraph.com to get universal code search and move fast even in big code bases. So you've hired a brilliant developer. That's great, but now you have to get them onboarded. If your company is growing, onboarding new developers will be a common occurrence, but it's a big undertaking each time. One of the biggest challenges for new hires is to get up to speed with the project their team is working on. This can be tricky if the code bases your developers are working in are already large. Thankfully, Sourcegraph makes it easy to move fast, even in those big code bases. Developers know that knowledge is most useful when it's findable. Centralization is helpful, but given the fact that most companies store knowledge in at least two different locations, how do you make knowledge accessible to those that need it? As a code intelligence platform, Sourcegraph gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. Teams without Sourcegraph need to rely on asking colleagues or reviewing out-of-date documentation, which is cumbersome and time-consuming. But with Sourcegraph, every developer can search across millions of repositories to find specific code, saving time for themselves and everyone else. So when questions do come up, you know, it's the big stuff that's worthy of the extra time. Sourcegraph was created to make developers' lives easier, and today they work with leading companies across every industry, including three out of five of the top tech companies, plus PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, and Atlassian. So visit about.sourcegraph.com to learn more. That's about.sourcegraph.com to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use Sourcegraph and to see what it can do for yours, or click the link in the show notes to let them know you heard about it from us. Our thanks again to Sourcegraph for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM.
0: Yeah, so that's one of the neat features with Craft is that you can use it as a as a web page builder. In fact, the links in the show notes, the dashboard document, and the Kanban document, those are Craft pages pu- published to the web, and it is. Um, it's really cool. You get a lot of options around it. So you have your your document that you've made with all of your images and all your text and everything. And then you can hit the share button and you can uh, share to web. And it gives you a URL. It also gives you a QR code. So you could print that QR code and put it somewhere and people could scan it. But you get a lot of control over who can access this web page. And so you can set a password up to view it. So if you have something that's a little sensitive, you can password protect it. You can also set an expiration date there that just after the certain point, it, it's not published anymore. And then you can allow or disallow comments and search engine indexing. And uh, I actually uh, used this uh, a, about a year ago working on a project uh, for my church and I was kind of the project manager keeping up with all the different pieces and I kept it all on craft and everyone had the link and I had comments turned on. So people could go in and comment on the page when something was done or if they had questions and then I could update the document. It's, it's kind of like a, I used it at least as like a one way Google doc sort of, but you can also use all these layout tools and make something that looks really nice and publish it as a, as a little website.
1: Yeah. I was just thinking with the indoor studios build, maybe I just should, should set up a craft page for the lab and just put it on a password and they can see the daily pictures and stuff, you know? Uh, and uh, that would be so easy. I mean, you literally just load it into craft and push a button and mm-hmm. it's published. I mean, there can't be a much easier workflow for something. I'm not sure I would put my, my big company on a craft page or, you know, I I wouldn't use it for like high traffic items or, or things, but like just for like sharing amongst your team or family members, I think it would be fine. Uh, Right now I'm in the middle of the webinar series for the uh, shortcuts for Mac field guide. I had that plus edition this year. So some people bought that, and they're getting a, a webinar series from me. Well, I've got that document broken to pieces in Craft. all the outlines for those those webinars, and I'm sharing them because some of them have guests, and I'm just publishing it through Craft and sharing a link, and then they can comment on it. And it works fine for that. I mean, there, there are a lot of, once you kind of understand how that works, you can find a lot of day-to-day uses for it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the way to to look at it. It's something sort of you want to share on a temporary basis, right? Because some of this goes against, like, the tenets of good web publishing, like, you don't own the URL, you don't own the server. Um, I mean, if craft were to go away, like, your notes would obviously be a bigger concern than any web pages you have published. But for something sort of quick and, like, you already have all the content in craft, it's just a really nice way to extend craft to other people without doing the full-blown collaboration song and dance yeah and like it's obviously not something apple notes offers but i think it's something that like is actually pretty useful i mean we were thinking of some other examples and like uh one that i thought of is like if you're planning a family trip like this weekend i'm going with family we're going canoeing and camping for the weekend like i could build out a craft page with like this is the link on google maps this is where we're going these are the times this is the information for the for the cabin and on and on. Of course, I didn't. And it's all just an iMessage thread. But like, those are the sorts of uses that I think that Once you sort of get your head around like things that come up where you need to share information kind of one way, craft really is about the easiest way to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, I want to talk. So that's internet sharing of a craft page. I want to talk a little bit about collaboration on a space level. You know, I talked earlier in the show how I've got the Sparky Media space, and in that, I've got a series of subfolders. It's got like ideas for things I may want to make. It's got the the newsletter text, blog posts. It's got uh, uh, project pages for some of the videos I'm doing in the Max Sparky Labs, and it's stuff. I do have people helping me with some of this stuff, and I they need to see the links and they need to see mm-hmm. the draft text and all that. And I looked at different options for that. I looked at you know, like trying to do it through Google Docs and. You know, I tried to look at, you know, maybe base camp and, and various solutions. And ultimately I landed on craft about two months ago. And that that's really the reason we're making the show today is because I'm using it daily now. And I realize that this is so good. And, um, the, but the way the space works, when you have a shared space, uh, it has anybody in the space has access to everything. All right. Uh, that's in comparison to something like Google Docs, where you can share on a document-by-document basis. So the shared spaces are good, as long as you're okay with making sure everybody can see everything.
0: Right. And I think that's depends on your organization and how you work. I mean, yeah. the way I thought about this, and this is a weird analogy, but stick with me for a second, it made me think about 1Password vaults. <laughs> it's like, yeah. at Relay, we have three. Like, I've got a personal one we have one that's just me and Mike and then we have one that we share with some other team members. Right. So like yeah. the bank login is only in the one that Mike and I see, but yeah. the Twitter one is one where everyone who's in that vault can see. And so you have to kind of think about that. It's just a different way of, of doing it. And I don't think I have strong feelings either way. You just have to be aware of how it works.
1: No, you just need to understand that. Like for my small team, this is actually ideal. I want everybody to be able to see everything. Mm hmm. Um, you know, somebody who's helping me with illustrations gave me really good feedback on the newsletter. Right. And so it just, you know, that's good. Um, but you know, in some teams it could be a problem, but just be aware. Uh, I actually, I would like to see them add a feature that allows me to just share a document. Like with going back to those webinar series, I'm publishing it and allowing the guests to comment on it but I'd like to give the guests kind of a Google Docs experience where they could go in and actually edit it rather than just in comments. But I can't do that without giving them access to the entire space. And they're just a guest on a webinar. I don't really want to give them full access. So um, there are areas where I think that could improve, but once again, this is a relatively new app and I think they're, they're working pretty hard. Um, Are there other areas where you would like to see craft, like where it's not quite right for you or things you'd like to see them change?
0: The biggest one for me, uh, and it's, it's a pretty big sticking point is the, the lack of offline support for attachments. I've spoken to them about this and it's like, last I heard from them, it was on the roadmap. Take travel, uh, for, for instance, where I'm going to have a PDF of, you know, plane tickets, maybe tickets to an event something like that. I want those accessible to me offline. So I keep all that stuff in Apple notes because Apple notes has everything available to you offline at all times. It downloads everything locally. And I wish craft had that.
1: Yeah, it doesn't, It does <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, to me, Indian encryption, I'd, I'd love to see that become a priority. I think that would allow people to use it in a lot of ways. Um, another one is there's no support for tagging.
0: That one surprises me a little bit. Uh, I mean, I know they're really based around like the folder structure idea, but it seems like tagging is so common in these types of applications. I don't get it.
1: Yeah. But it's also, you know, they are, you know, Obsidian. I I keep coming back to Obsidian because I use Obsidian a lot and I use craft now quite a bit too. And there are differences and like Obsidian has more of an open feel to it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And of course, it's going to have tagging because that community is so fast, right? Yeah. If, if they didn't have tagging, then somebody would have added it. In fact, I think it kind of did work that way. So at some point somebody was adding plugins and then they eventually brought it into the app. Whereas the, the precious nature of craft, you know, the fact that it is so pretty and it is, you know, made by a single developer. I, I just think it's a question of them getting there. And I don't think, I, I don't think they've, I don't think they have chosen to not add tagging. I feel like they just haven't got to tagging
0: yet. Yeah, in fact, they've said that it's it's on the roadmap and they have this uh they have this document about how to work around it in the meantime, which I think is cool. They again, they're responsive to what people are saying about their application. They know people want this. Yeah. And so there are some ways to do it uh kind of faking it, but they say it's coming. So I guess we'll see. And I imagine when they do it it will be like everything else in this application. It's going to be nicely polished. Like I, I'm, this is complete conjecture town, but I can see them like having in the right sidebar, we have all the properties of the document. Like maybe you have a tag cloud there. It's easy to, to organize them. They're in like a set place in the document. Like Maybe it's all at the bottom or all at the top, like metadata. I think they'll do a good job of it. Like you said, they just haven't gotten to it yet. And it's hard It's hard to remember. It's hard to remember talking about this. This is still a relatively young app. And so yeah. clearly it just wasn't uh, towards the top of the list.
1: The, um, like one of my initial complaints, uh, one of my initial deal breakers, honestly, was the export wasn't as clean as I'd like it. And it felt too tedious. So mm-hmm. I, I stopped using it for a lot of purposes. And they fixed that. You know, that's no longer a complaint. It now does a great job of export. They've added tables, but they aren't particularly powerful, you know. I think it's it's a it's kind of a weak table implementation.
0: Yeah, it's it's better than it was in the beginning. In the beginning, after a certain length of table, you were like scrolling within the table. It's very strange. Uh, that's yeah. all fixed. Um, it's still a little clunky to make big tables. And my sort of critique of it is that there's no arithmetic within the tables. You have it within text blocks, like we said earlier. But if I just wanted to make a little, like, simple spreadsheet with some simple math in it, uh, I can't do that. And hopefully that comes. I mean, it seems like it'd be really nice. To have, you know, I'm not asking for Google Sheets or Excel in here, but some basic arithmetic to build out some nice tables. Uh, so I could, you know, keep a simple budget or keep track of a simple inventory within Craft would be pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, agreed. And I say this with confidence that I feel like a lot of this stuff is going to get solved. You know, I mean, the reason we're giving this app a a show is because I think that they're on the right path here. Like I don't think any of these complaints are new to the team and I suspect that, you know, they're going to get a lot of this stuff fixed up.
0: Yeah. Another thing I would like to see them improve is the block editor itself. Again, it's gotten better and the blocks do give you a lot of control. So like any block, like you said, can be linked to a subpage. Uh blocks can have their own formatting. You can use keyboard shortcuts like indent and outdent blocks. But say that you want to grab the text, all the text across a bunch of different blocks in a document. That's where it feels a little non-native, where you've got to like double-click and then it sort of enters this mode where the blocks are kind of invisible for a second. You can grab all the text. I get why they do the block editing, especially on the iPhone and iPad. It makes it really easy to reorganize a document because you can just grab a little uh, handle on the left-hand side of a block and like move it down and it rearranges and things flow back around. Like A lot of task managers have that where you can bring a to-do item up or down a list and it makes room as it goes. That's all really cool, and I don't want them to get rid of it, but I would like, at least on the Mac for the blocks to become a little more in the background and be there when I want them to be there. But if I'm just working in a text-only document, I'd like them to downplay that part of the editor. And I'm not quite sure how the mechanics of that should or, or would work, but I just feel like sometimes I'm kind of like doing more clicking than I need to to get something done if it was just sort of a, a, a simple text field as opposed to this layout tool, if you will
1: you know, that kind of like, there's a problem that it's hard for me to verbalize. It's like the interface generally works great until it doesn't like once in a while you want to do something and you just don't get the behavior you expect. And it is because of it being a block editor, I think largely. And I get the same feeling sometimes with the organization. Like I like the way it organizes, but like sometimes it seems a little tedious to try and get things you like. Well, we we haven't mentioned at all the way it displays your notes, but there's three views. There's one where they're adjustable size notes and they kind of put them together like a bento box on your screen, which is nice. And it usually arranges them by default by the most recent last, which makes it easy to go in and find, you know, the recently edited notes. But it's a little chaotic for me, I have to admit. And then, then there's another view where all the boxes are the same size. So that's less chaotic. And then there's a list view. But the list view, I feel like they don't fully take advantage of it. I, I feel like the app itself could just use a little bit of rethinking about how it displays notes and you know how you pull blocks together and i'm not giving really particular advice cuz i'm not sure what i'm looking for but i feel like it could get better how's that for for <laughs> fuzzy
0: no i i don't i don't disagree with that it feels sometimes like craft wants to be used with that open palette more than digging through folders and subfolders
1: and, yeah and that's what i do honestly yeah, that that was yeah. my solution <laughs> commando you know
0: Yeah. And I think just having more ways into that through more people for more people would be, uh, would be nice. Um, I think the other sort of weird bit of organization in the application is that parts of it work. It's not, but part of it work kind of like a web browser. Like you have a back and forward button in the toolbar. And if I just hit back and back and back, I'm just seeing all the notes that I've looked at, you know, while we've recorded and, that's cool if you're going like back and forth between multiple things, but you can also open them in tabs, which is really nice. But there's something about like the spatial orientation of I'm moving in between multiple notes or multiple documents feels um, a, a little bit strange to me. And maybe that's some of the catalyst stuff a little bit, but I feel like, like, like well, let's just take Apple notes. I think obsidian is the same way. You can double click a, a note and it opens in its own window and you can just drag that note anywhere you want. And in craft that's behind a right click. says open a new window or open a new tab, but then it also pulls with it the sidebars and all the rest of the UI. There's not like a parent child type view like you have in Apple notes. And, you know, sometimes it's nice to have a bunch of notes open kind of narrow or small scattered around your screen. And, Crafts overall, like organization of its UI, doesn't really lend itself to that super well.
1: Yeah. And, and this kind of gets back to the broad scope of this app. You know, it is a platform to create a shared web page, it's a shared team document system, and it's a personal management system. I mean, it does so many different things that it really, you know, it, that makes it difficult. Another question I have about the application is the longevity of catalyst. I mean, they've obviously invested in catalyst, making that their, their platform of choice. Apple has now made clear that the way forward is swift UI and that's not catalyst. And how much of a challenge is that to go from catalyst at some point to swift UI? And is this app going to hit, you know, roadblocks because they're, they got on the wrong horse at the beginning.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I've kind of let go of some of that uh, a little bit mentally. I mean, Apple itself is using Catalyst for a bunch of stuff too, <laughs> like, yeah. like messages. And so I don't know. I mean, it it may be an issue 10 years from now, but I don't think it's in the near term. And for now, I think they've done the they've chosen the best route for kind of where we are today.
1: Yeah, and in fairness, I think coming from, you know, Catalyst to Swift UI is going to be a much easier trip than coming from you know, Electron.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by ZocDoc. ZocDoc makes it easy to find quality doctors in your network and in your neighborhood. Plus, with real verified patient reviews, you can find the right doctor for you. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. You can find every specialist under the sun. Whether you're trying to straighten those teeth, fix an achy back, get that mole checked out, or anything else, ZocDoc has you covered. And their mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. You can search, find, and book doctors with just a few taps. You can find and review local doctors, read verified patient reviews from real people who make real appointments. Now when you walk into that doctor's office... You're all set to see someone in your network who gets you. So find the doctor that's right for you. Book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. It's their go-to whenever they need to find and book a quality doctor. I definitely believe you should have a trusting relationship with your doctor. Finding the right person is so important, but it can be hard. And using data from other patients is a brilliant way to get started. And you can get started by going to ZocDoc.com slash MPU and download the app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C, ZocDoc.com slash MPU. Our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of the show.
1: Hey, do you want to talk for a minute about how we're using Craft? I mean, we've been kind of bouncing around it the whole episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's start with you. You mentioned that you're using it in a collaboration environment with the team, but also just you, like, where are those lines drawn and how, how has that worked in terms of, um, editing speed? Like, that's one thing that I've seen a lot of questions about with craft, like Google docs is basically immediate. Like, have you had any weird sync issues with a bunch of people in one space?
1: the sync has been great. I was just on incraft the other day with j. f as we were working on a video, and we were both writing in the document at the same time and I could see him typing and he could see me typing. It felt very similar to google docs and so that's good right um uh I like how it loads up on everybody's machine um uh so to to back up i so I do have a team space, and I've got five people in there with me. And some people are in it often, and some people are in it rarely. And the way it works is is just great. I've set up a folder structure. I've done it very clearly so people can see it. One of the I've been playing with it. You know, getting ready for today's show and doing the research for today's show helped, but also just more experience with the application. I've got like a main page in it where I've set up a um a very uh, uh, dorky. Kanban page. It's not actually Kanban. You know, Kanban has the columns from left to right where you move it by a person. Instead, what I've done is I've just listed every person's name and under it, uh, I'll say active projects for that person, you know, Uh, but with the deep linking, I can link it to the individual pages for the project that they're working on. And everybody on the team knows they can go to that one page and see whatever um, we believe is on their, on their plate. And so that's one place they can go to and see it. Uh, We've also added like a sub page, you know, where you go to the right, where we can have active questions for that person. So there's one place they can go to, to see those. So it's like serving a lot of purposes. And uh, I'm in the process of shutting down the base camp installation for my team, because I think craft is working out, you know, we've been doing it a couple months, everybody's working with it fine. The deep linking thing, I can't emphasize enough how useful that is. I talked about already in the show how I use them with OmniFocus, but I put those deep links everywhere. I put deep links in Obsidian notes. You know, I, you know, because I've got different systems for different parts of my life, you know, this is what I would call contextual computing, creating a way to draw a laser line from one point to another point on my computer without having to go through a bunch of barriers and, uh, the deep links are what make that possible, and one of the ways I really like deep links is with collaboration. With having team members in Craft, if I want, you know, Leilani to proofread a newsletter, I can text message her a Craft deep link, and because she has Craft installed, she just clicks on the message in in the messages app, and it opens up Craft.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's cool.
1: Drives her straight to that page, and she can do the proof for me. And like, I love that. And I love that not only do we use those deep links inside the craft database, but we use it all throughout all the team communication platforms. We use Slack a lot and we've got those links in Slack. Like you and I could put some of the MPU stuff in craft and we could be able to jump to it with a simple deep link. So I find the deep link combined with the team collaboration stuff to be really worth it. And that's what really got my interest in craft up and got me kind of restarted with it. But then once I did get restarted with it, I'm like, oh, you know what? There's more uses for this. A lot of my labs members are big craft users and they want content on it. So I wanted to spend more time with it. But I didn't just do it for that. I did it because I think it's the best solution for some of this stuff. Like, I really like Obsidian. I mean, that's there's no doubt about that, right? But I also like kind of a pure Obsidian database. And there's a lot of cruft in there. Like when I took the dog to the vet and stuff where... I use obsidian to develop ideas and work on big things. I feel like craft is a great place to, to manage kind of the more traditional PKM stuff. So I've moved a lot of the life management stuff into my personal craft space. And I find that really useful. You know, it's like as much as I like obsidian when I am at the vet trying to get to the dog (laughs) records using the obsidian phone app makes me want to throw my phone through the window. Sure. With Craft, it's super easy, you know. Another thing I can do with deep links is I can make a shortcut that says "Open URL" and just put the deep link in it, so I can make a menu uh, launcher to get me to the dog page from my dock. You know, I mean, there's just so many ways you could skin that cat. Why am mixing my dogs and cats here? But
0: <laughs> I was going to let it you go, can, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you, you know, there, there's a lot of things you can do with those deep links in on mobile that the obsidian can do technically but it, it's just not as good you know yeah and um so i'm finding that it's also a lot of my personal life management stuff is getting shipped over there um but not the like heavy stuff is staying in obsidian and uh so i'm i'm actually finding myself using it more than i expected and i've been on kind of a two month journey with it i feel like i still have more to learn with this app but i'm very impressed with the With the pace of iteration, Um, I'm comfortable with its limits, um, but I'm also aware of them. Like I do journaling in Day One, it's an end-to-end encrypted journaling app. I don't do it in Obsidian. I don't do it in Craft. I do it in the app that it that's made to journal. You know, (laughs) but like I said during the show today, I'm okay putting on that daily note in Craft some notes about what I did today in terms of projects I worked on or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't care. If somebody looks at that someday, it doesn't matter, you know. But uh, so I'm, I'm actually finding more uses than I thought. I'm, I'm, I'm opening the app daily now. So I am, uh, you know, I'm on the bandwagon, guys. How about you?
0: So about a year ago, I split my personal notes and work notes. I put personal notes in Apple Notes and work notes in Craft. I thought I want some separation of these things, and that just didn't stick for me. I mean. I use the same task manager for everything. I use the same email client for everything. So I actually ended up moving everything back into Apple notes and I haven't been in craft real heavily until preparing for this episode over the last couple of weeks. And I feel it calling me. I mean, there's so many good things about it that it's just not, uh, not only better than Apple notes in a lot of ways in terms of visuals, but some of the deep linking stuff I could be taking advantage of that. I don't, I don't do now. Uh, and Apple Notes. So right now, I'm not doing anything regularly in it, but I think that that may be getting ready to change.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, So comparing it to some of these other apps, like Apple Notes, is where I think Craft. I, I strongly believe Craft is aimed at Apple Notes. If if you've got Apple Notes and you're a power user of Apple Notes, you may really find Craft appealing because it gives you a lot more tools, and it just it gives you some some things that just Apple Notes I don't think is ever going to do. I kind of hoped that we were going to get backlinking with Apple Notes this year and we didn't. And maybe Apple just doesn't view view it as going down that road. You know, this whole PKM thing is blowing up, so maybe eventually they'll get there, but even if Apple adds backlinking to Apple Notes, I I feel like it would take them a long time to get to where Craft is today. And uh so I think if you're a power Apple Notes user, I think this is something you should look at. Uh, like Stephen said, offline attachments aren't there. They're on yeah. Apple Notes. So maybe you find a, a balance where certain things go in certain buckets. Mm-hmm. And, and Stephen, I'm totally comfortable using a lot of tools. Like I, I you know, oh, I know. so, <laughs> you know, that, but that, that's kind of my, my thing, right? And I can talk about them because I'm always trying them and comparing them. Yeah. But not everybody wants to do that. And I get it. And I do think this app really does find a nice sweet spot for people who are PK and curious, but don't want to go down into the obsidian rabbit hole because obsidian doesn't definitely has a learning curve to it where this app doesn't or not nearly as steep of a learning curve. Notion is another thing I thought about in comparison to this app because it's got that kind of public sharing stuff. And there are things that notion does way better than craft like tables. Uh, The notion features on tables is, you know, leagues ahead of what craft does, but there's certain things that craft does that are better too. Notion has just never really stuck for me. I've tried to use it a few times, and that's one that I have trouble holding on to.
0: Yeah, I feel like some of the stuff in in Craft, some of the layout tools and even the tables to a degree, like some of that is Notion-like, but the man, the feel is so different between those applications. It's hard to compare them. I mean, Notion is basically a web app with a thin wrapper, and Craft, and of course, is built with Catalyst. But this is kind of what we're talking about. Craft sort of took... To their credit, the best ideas from a bunch of different places, and kind of mixed them all into their all their the best versions of it, and I think that's that's cool, and it means yeah. that, yeah, I want to work the way Apple Notes works most of the time, but sometimes I want some of these other tools, and like Craft's the only answer for that sort of thing.
1: Agreed. And then I've been comparing it to Obsidian throughout the show today. Uh, I am not giving up Obsidian for Craft. I mean. There's a lot of stuff obsidian does better than craft like mm-hmm. the idea of idea development research and stuff i man i it's hard to be obsidian for that stuff um but the um but there are things that it can do that just as good as obsidian and sometimes better like data that you want to access on your iPhone boy put in it in craft it's a lot easier to get to it and I think that it's not really uh a, a simple answer like. Uh, there's nothing wrong with using them both and trying them and seeing like which one sticks for you. But some of the big like counterpoints are what I would call like kind of ubiquity of data versus pretty data, you know, for lack of a better term. I mean, the Obsidian, the fundamental premise of Obsidian is you put a folder on your computer and fill it with Markdown notes and Obsidian magically turns that into something so much better than what it was. And that's the appeal of that app. And, and as the users keep adding more plugins, it just gets better and better. And it is really impressive Um, uh, with, you get that to a degree with, with craft, but it's more, it's not a folder full of Markdown folders. You can't just like, even though it's easy to export, it's not the same thing as saying, oh yeah, I can copy this to Dropbox or do anything at any time. And there's never a risk. And, um, Obsidian gives you that. The the other thing is kind of the degree, a pace of evolution, uh, craft is evolving nicely and quickly. And Obsidian is evolving blindingly fast, Mm -hmm. which could be a positive or could be a negative, depending on your thought. Uh, for me, someone like me, I like that. I like that. They, every week there's new plugins that can completely change the way you use the app. I mean, that's awesome. Um, the craft is a more sane pace, but it is a good pace nonetheless but there's so there's big differences yeah. and uh what I would say to somebody is is try them both and see you're gonna know pretty quickly which one lands with you
0: yeah, I think that's that's definitely right I mean, at the end of the day, these are all applications to store and retrieve data, but they do all work so differently you're going to find something that you like. And and we've talked about this before with these other applications. There's a real richness right now in this category yeah. where if something doesn't work for you, like go there will be something out there <laughs> that does. Uh you just got to go find it.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of other apps like arriving here now. And you know, we waited a year and a half for Craft because I wanted to make sure it had staying power before I recommended it to people. But there's a bunch of apps that I'm going to hear from people when this publishes. Well, what about app X, Y, or Z? And there's web services now. There's all these different ways to do this because people realize there's a need for it. Uh, My one piece of advice is it's fun to check those apps out, but be careful about investing in brand new apps or apps without a monetary plan, a way to stay in business. Like Obsidian and Craft are two apps that I feel confident uh, have a business model that makes sense, you know? So like, those are the two I would recommend checking out if you're interested in this stuff or Apple notes, you know, which they have a business model too. Let's just put a trillion dollars in the bank and, um, make some apps, you know, mm-hmm. but the, uh, but, uh, be careful about some of the the newer apps. Let them season a bit before you invest your data and your time into them. Well said. All right. Well, um, we've done a show on Obsidian. we've done a show on craft so we can we can link the obsidian show here too. If you want to hear kind of the counterpoint of all that. And um, uh, I'm very curious to hear from our listeners. I suspect there are a lot of Mac power users that are already deep into craft. And I bet the comments on this show and the forums will be fun to read. You can find those over at talk.macpowerusers.com. We are the Mac power users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. And uh, anything fun going on at 512 pixels these days, Steven,
0: I'm in calendar land. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I did just write this piece about July 17th, which is World Emoji Day and why it's on July 17th. So yeah, I'll throw that in the show notes.
1: Yeah. That's also Disneyland's birthday. There you go. All right. Thanks to our sponsors, 1Password, Squarespace, Sourcegraph, and ZocDoc. And we'll see you next time.